Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? I've been better, man. I'm a little sick. It's really hot here too, so it's like sick, headache, hot. Woe is me. Sounds like I'm going to have a, a competitive edge on this Fight Night episode that we're about to record, huh? No, I'll figure it out. Talking Bitcoin, <laughs> Ethereum always uh, gets the adrenaline going. All right, Christian, you have called this fight night. What is the uh, motivation for this fight night? The motivation for this fight night is I was listening to two podcasts in particular. The first one was um, Jill Carlson and uh, Alejandro Machado on what Bitcoin did. And the second one was uh, the most recent podcast or the most recent episode of Let's Talk Bitcoin in which Alex Gladstein um, had an interview with a gentleman from Iran and they were talking about how cryptocurrencies are used, really used in Venezuela, Iran, and other places that are sanctioned and have, um, you know, really um, toxic and bad financial systems, right? So Venezuela, obviously, they're experiencing some really severe hyperinflation, and they are sanctioned by the United States. And then on the flip side, Iran also not quite as severe hyperinflation, but still, you know, pretty extreme inflation. And then they are also uh, being sanctioned and by pretty much everyone in the Western world. Um, so obviously, cryptocurrencies have a place in those societies. And, you know, they're kind of diving into, you know, what reality is with cryptocurrencies in those places. And uh, I thought it was very positive towards Bitcoin. Uh, very interesting uh, to hear their takes on, you know, where Bitcoin fits in and where, other cryptos are just not available. Um, so I thought that that was just really interesting, especially... So yeah, what, what is your thesis? What is your thesis that you are proposing that I need to argue against? Well, I mean, the thesis is that uh, despite Bitcoin's volatility, uh, despite all of the things that people say about why it's not good for medium of exchange and all these kind of things, uh, it is still operating as that. And it is the most liquid currency. And that seems to be the most important feature is that it's really liquid um, and there's a decent amount of uh, velocity with you know the currency so uh, people are getting the Bitcoin and then they're getting into their local currency so they can transact um, so people aren't exposed to the price of volatility as much uh, so I mean I just think that all of that is again kind of showing that liquidity is the most important thing and all these other like kind of features are less important yeah so let's start with and when I say features like stability of DAI or something like that. Yeah, so let's start with, with uh, liquidity, which I'm totally aligned with you. Uh, liquidity is king. It's kind of like cash is king. And it, it's just, just the, the most important thing that a blockchain needs to have in order for it to be successful. Uh, and liquidity partly or maybe almost almost all of liquidity comes from market cap, right? And so like liquidity is a function of a blockchain's market cap. So the reason why Bitcoin is so liquid is because it's also got the biggest market cap. And so when, when anyone who's buying cryptocurrency that's not Bitcoin, thinking that, that they will one day you know, flip Bitcoin and, and have a, a better Bitcoin, they, what they're really looking for is A, the price to increase, but also they need to look for the liquidity to increase because that's how this... If you believe in monetary maximalism, that's how you become a, a maximalist money. 
uh, by having global liquidity. Uh, so Bitcoin's place in uh, countries like Argentina and Venezuela, uh, all, the, all these countries that have capital controls, liquidity is super important. Uh, and so and that it makes sense that when if somebody were to tell, I don't know what these numbers are, these numbers are hard to discover. But if somebody told me that like nine out of 10 people in financially underserved countries or maybe even 95 out of 100 people are using Bitcoin, it just makes sense because that's where the, the liquidity is. I understand why DAI is useful, but at the same time, it's I, I don't see it competing with Bitcoin really. Like on the on the front grounds, on the front lines, like the most liquid currency is what gets used and what you can expect to use. Um, it's about distribution. It's about how quick can I get from Bitcoin into my local fiat. So it sounds like based on the interviews, especially the one uh, with the gentleman from Iran, that really easy to get Bitcoin. You can do it in under an hour. Um, ETH, you'd be lucky. Everything else, forget about it. For context for listeners, this is probably going to be titled Fight Night Episode MakerDAO vs. Bitcoin 3. So there, this is a, a Bitcoin versus DAI as a global currency argument. Um, and uh, well, and we also, but we also have to remember is Bitcoin came around in 2009, 2010, and DAI has been around for uh, 18 months you know it came it came at the in january of 2018 and so part of this is just a function of time right like dai hasn't had its uh, ability to grow its network very very far and especially when the the market cap of dai has been over 50 million for only like you know half a year and so again liquidity is a function of market cap and so in order for dai to grow to where bitcoin is it needs something probably like multi-collateral dai um, or the price of Ether to Moon, so we can have uh, a higher debt ceiling from Dai. So yeah, totally concede the point. Um, the but I would also say that how does the price of Ether Mooning make Dai more liquid? Uh, because we can increase the debt ceiling of Dai. Because if Ether, like say uh, Ethereum is a one trillion dollar network, uh, and there's a one trillion uh, net uh, market cap instead of the twenty six billion that we have the 100 million uh, debt ceiling of DAI would be far too low. And so what I would expect to happen is that MakerDAO governance uh, would uh, sit, take the market cap of DAI from 100 million maybe to a billion, to 1% of a $1 trillion, uh, uh, $1 trillion network. And that would make DAI super liquid if there's 1 billion of them instead of uh, the 80 million that we have today. So that would add a ton of liquidity. Um, the other, the other problem with DAI liquidity well, that is that on ramps and trading. I don't know about necessarily liquidity. Huh? That's, that adds a lot of supply of DAI, but that doesn't mean like distribution is uh, is thorough, like and everyone has it. I think liquidity is a little bit more complex yeah. than just m market cap. True. Uh, so they're correlated, right? So like increasing the market cap of something doesn't necessarily increase its liquidity, but they're very often go hand in hand, right? Because like something something that isn't illiquid it's it's hard to increase that that market cap unless you're doing funny counting like xrp is um i don't know about that you could you could make something moon especially if it's a liquid uh yeah but it's not sustainable right and so we're, we're looking for a true liquidity and it's like you can't have liquidity without market cap and it, it go, and you can't have market cap without liquidity like you can you can pump it but that's not going to last for very long. Like it's, it, we're talking about actual real liquidity, not just fake coinmarketcap.com liquidity. You know, we're, we're the, the real stuff. And so part of this issue is that like die trading pairs are on Coinbase and on Wire, and then on decentralized exchanges. And so they, there's not that many on on and off ramps, uh, and that's definitely something that needs to change in order for for die to 
to grow into uh, the same kind of position that Bitcoin has when it comes to um, financially underserved uh, countries. Outside of Ether mooning, like how can what is how can Maker try to catch up on this? Uh, so it, by increasing the assets that are able to be put inside of a CDP. Uh, and so multi-collateral die is coming out sometime this year. And so we're going to be, be able to put gold behind. Um, well, maker token holders will be able to add collateral types. I'm not going to say that we're going to do this because it's a function of MKR token voters. But like you can throw gold in there. You can throw um, bit, you can throw Bitcoin in there with wrapped Bitcoin if that is something that um, token holders want. There's just a ton more of assets that you can put behind the stablecoin. And so it it's turns uh, MakerDAO into a decentralized bank where the only thing in the asset column is Ether to a decentralized bank where the asset column can be literally anything that you can tokenize. Um, and so that's a, that's a step in the right direction. Uh, it's not going to I don't it's going to take a while for this to really, you know, come to fruition. I don't really expect like houses and uh, you know, stocks and bonds and, and shit like that to be inside of MakerDAO in like 2019 or even 2020 or maybe even 2021. It's just a matter of getting all of these assets on chain before, because adding assets to Ethereum will inevitably increase DAI liquidity because we're promoting DAI market cap and then in creating the infrastructure or the environment needed for DAI to proliferate. I don't know if I agree, but I kind of want to take this conversation in a slightly different direction and talk about multi-collateral die. Because to me, it just sounds like a massive hodgepodge of things that could go wrong. Okay. How? As long as die is just backed by something purely digital, like, yeah, it still needs a price feed. That's like one complexity. But, you know, it's for the most part... You know, there's no issue with the collateral not actually being there. Like, if you put real estate behind it, then all of a sudden you need, like, a government to enforce mm -hmm. the, you know, and respect the tokenized real estate. Um, you know, what if the gold that's backed in die gets seized? Like, just seems like so many areas for things to go really bad. I don't know why you're so excited about it. Well, that's why there's the MKR token, right? And so MKR token holders have to do their due diligence in supporting assets and if they fuck up, then the MKR gets minted in order to support the DAI. So it actually really shouldn't be the concern of DAI holders about the risks behind uh, whether or not the assets are actually there or not. That's really for the MKR token holders to be concerned about because they're the ones that get diluted, not DAI holders. Uh, and so that, that's the, the beauty of the alignment of incentives. It's like if you just buy and hold DAI, you're not exposed to the... Um, to the not risky or to the to the not smart decisions of the MKR token holders, because if the decisions that the MKR token holders are not smart, they're the ones that get gets punished. The only time that die token holders really get fucked is if the MKR token holders have fucked up so incredibly badly that minting the MKR token isn't enough to do it, uh, and that's what we call a black swan event. I was just listening to Seem Tlaib recently. I feel like he'd want to uh, make his monetary system yeah. uh, black swan proof. But he's also into uh, skin in the game, which is exactly what uh, MakerDAO is. I guess. We'll leave it up to Nassim what he thinks. So, yeah, before we started recording, you talked about the velocity of, uh, excuse me, yeah, velocity, not volatility. You were talking about the velocity of Bitcoin in these uh, countries that are financially underserved and how people are going in and out of Bitcoin 
to to get what they need to do done. Can you kind of illustrate that for context for our listeners? Sure. So uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with things like local Bitcoin, Paxful. Uh, I know in China, people, there's just WeChat groups and stuff like that. You know, you can send digital currency without being co-located. So it's really easy to just organize around communities online and liquidate your coin. So that's primarily how people use Bitcoin in Venezuela and Iran and other countries that have poor financial systems is that they get sent Bitcoins and then in order to use the Bitcoins in their society, uh, you know, 90% of places, you know, mandate or take their fiat. So uh, they need to get into their fiat quickly. Uh, so, or, you know, that's how they're going to use it. They're not going to actually spend the Bitcoin point of sale. They're really just using Bitcoin as a payment trail to get the value and then sell it to someone else, um, and get fiat. Um, so that is like the most important feature, like getting, uh, any other crypto asset, if they can't get into their local currency easily, uh, is, uh, much more burdensome. In other words, they're using the medium of exchange aspect of bit Bitcoin, um, and the fact that it does store value at some point, like it, its values fluctuates, but you know, somebody in the remittance payments from America to wherever to yeah, Mexico or Venezuela or Argentina, they just use the Bitcoin as a payment rail to transfer value from A to B. Um, and then they get out of Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, they could be stacking stats, but for the most part, they are like the payment rail aspect of it is very convenient for them. And the liquidity aspect, like that's the features that they're using. Right. And so I see them using this payment rail because of its liquidity. Definitely. But I don't really see them. And I I see them like they're they're exiting from Bitcoin into their local currency. And so they're really just using the utility of the blockchain, not the, the value of Bitcoin. Right. And so this is where like utility is a great feature, but it's also not a moat, right? As, as soon as there's an alternative that comes along that's that also has similar levels of liquidity, uh, I would expect that that to, to not really be a hard thing to transition to. And and the difference being like when people uh, use could theoretically use die, they might be more inclined to save and die than they would in Bitcoin, which means that they're using both a medium of exchange and a store of value rather than just a medium of exchange that they're using in Bitcoin because the dies are pegged to the dollar and people knows know what dollars are. So I'm not going to argue that people don't want to get dollars. Like I think people want to get dollars, but dollars have many different forms and die is probably one of the most illiquid forms of a dollar. Um, and I don't think it's so easy to strip away liquidity of a specific asset from the blockchain that it's on. So you're saying like people don't care about Bitcoin. They're just trying to use the payment rails. But the reason and the reason they're using the payment rails is because the actual asset is liquid. Um, but that in itself, in my opinion, is actually the biggest moat. Like that's why they have the saying liquidity begets liquidity. If you're liquid, you're going to get more liquid because people are just going to assume, mm-hmm. hey, which one am I going to offer? I'm going to offer Bitcoin. And it's just like a virtuous and compounding cycle. So I actually think it's the biggest moat and that the blockchain itself is commoditized. You know, all of these blockchains can transfer value in a high velocity environment. That is not that interesting, but it's the the fact that you can do that. Plus, you have the liquidity. That's what makes it valuable, especially to these people. And I don't want to prescribe like this is exactly how, you know, like um, this is all very much hearsay, but we're trying to just think about this more deeply. 
value accruing value is one of the functions as to which Uniswap has taken off where uh, if you deposit liquidity, basically, if you deposit trading pairs inside of Uniswap, like you deposit both Ether and DAI into Uniswap, you make that trading pair more liquid, meaning that more people are likely to trade there, meaning that you're going to get more fees from people trading there, meaning there's going to be more incentive to drop in uh, liquidity on both sides meaning that it's going to be more liquid, meaning that it's going to make people more likely to trade there. And so it's just a positive feedback loop. Totally. I totally see it. Uh, and and it's probably one of the reasons why Bitcoin maximalists can just wag their finger at any altcoin. That's any minor edit to the Bitcoin blockchain saying like you're never going to you're never going to beat Bitcoin at the, the positive feedback game when it started it like in 2011. Right. Like it's too late. Um, you're going to have to be qualitatively different. And so this is this is the tug of war i'm i'm seeing coming between bitcoin and the ethereum blockchain is like how like the how much is the dollar trading the dollar valued for to this global community of people who are trying to transfer value or do they don't do they really just not give a fuck and they'll go with bitcoin because it, it gets the job done um i mean my my money's on the dollar and it sounds like your money's on bitcoin it's just it's just two alternative ways of, of competing with liquidity uh but it really just matters on it really matters with how the die gets integrated with dollar pairs like if 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 you can withdraw dollars from your paypal into your wells fargo bank account but also into die in your ethereum wallet like there because it's pegged to the dollar uh it gets it may, becomes much more easier to uh link itself to other dollars right and and the dollar is the most liquid currency in the world and the fact that dai is like tethering itself to that makes is is one good strategy towards solving the the liquidity issue and and catching up on bitcoin's lead because it's tapping into the liquidity reserves of the u.s dollar so i'm not 100 percent sure if i completely agree i actually think that and this is something that they talk about especially in the what bitcoin did podcast is that there are different forms of dollars. So, for example, in Venezuela, a $20 bill is worth a lot less than four or $5 bills. And dollars in Zelle is different than dollars in AirTM or dollars in Square or something like that. All of these dollars are kind of moded into their different um, realms. If Ethereum's infrastructure and general Ethereum adoption as payment rails continues to grow, then the DAI link with dollars might be more impactful. But right now, it's just so illiquid that it doesn't even matter that it's a dollar because it's so liquid that no one, you know, it's just not convenient to use. Like it's not helpful. Dollar measured in value denominated as DAI on the ETH network is just, you know, it's not that liquid, if that makes sense. No, no, you're you're totally right. It's a double-edged sword, right? If you're pegged to the, if you are the dollar, you get to be the dollar, but then you're also not the dollar at the same time. So you so you you, you get costs and benefits at the same time. Um, but again, like all of your criticisms, I'm I, I'm willing to chalk up to the fact that like Dai is one and a half years old. I would imagine that Dai is way more liquid at one and a half years old than Bitcoin ever was at one and a half years old. <laughs> yeah, um, but that doesn't even matter. <laughs> and so like, we, we should wait until... <laughs> it's a completely different world. Well, kind of. It's, it's about trajectory, right? It's all about trajectory. And so if Dai's, I mean, Dai is growing in liquidity. Like, let's not count that out. Like, as soon as that trend stops happening, then we, then we can talk. 
um, but the trajectory of Dai's growth is is solid. I'm not in position to agree or disagree with that. I feel like this is probably a good spot to wrap this up. Nice and short and sweet. Tell us what you guys think on Twitter, at POV CryptoPod. You can find me at CK underscore Snarks. I'm going to take a nap. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Very lazy. It's a, it's a lazy Sunday. Going to sit on the couch for the rest of my night. <laughs> you can find me at TrustlessDate, both on Medium and on Twitter, and at Bitcoin2019. I'm going to be uh, wearing my MakerDAO shirt, and so we can continue this conversation there. You can use the, the discount code POV15 for 25% off. Don't ask me why it's 15, but it's good for 25% off, I promise. <laughs> Get your ticket. It's going to be a fantastic time. You can meet David in person. And Christian. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Oh,